0: Hello, and welcome to Kroll Security Concepts Podcast, the podcast where Kroll security experts discuss the more prevalent topics in today's risk environment. Today's podcast is one about a very... Fast growing business segment here at Kroll, and that is the recreational cannabis business and how we go about helping our clients manage the deployment of and protection of their cannabis businesses to comply with local jurisdictional guidance. To discuss this topic, we're bringing in Danny Linsky, who you know from previous podcasts as the former superintendent in chief of the Boston Police Department. He also manages most of the relationships with our recreational cannabis clients and is our expert in the overall security program development for these clients. Welcome to the podcast, Danny. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's good to have you back. Uh, I think the question that's on most people's minds when they read your bio and, and look at what you're doing today is how do you go from the superintendent and chief of the Boston Police Department to the authority in recreational cannabis and the security of and compliance with jurisdictional programs?
1: Yeah, it's been a long journey, uh, <laughs> kind of like turning a battleship around. So let me just, you know, my my career, a lot of my career was involved in drug enforcement, either working as an undercover officer or running undercover squads and doing a lot of uh, drug enforcement with federal authorities, ATF, uh, F- FBI, DEA. Um, so when I was chief of police and they proposed uh, legalizing cannabis in Massachusetts, I stood on the state house steps with a. Hundred other police chiefs, the governor at the time, and said, "You know, we we don't support this. We think this is bad. We're going to see an increase use of uh, this product by youth. We're going to see uh, violence go up around areas. We're going to see break-ins and car breaks, and it's going to be a problem. And we shouldn't do this." Well, the good citizens of Massachusetts disagreed with me, uh, as they disagree with a lot of the things that I that I vote for, and they voted in favor for it. Um. I had just finished up with BPD. I'd gotten the, uh, you know, we'd gotten the Zinniif case and the Boston Marathon bombing case to so the U.S. Attorney's Office. The prosecuting was starting, and I had 28 years, and decided I was going to go out on my own and do some consulting and started a consulting shop out of my house. Um, and it was great because I, you know, worked for a good guy. Uh, worked for myself, um, and I um, had my little office space and I had flexibility with time and. My neighbor, uh, who'd been my neighbor for 20-plus years at the time, uh, was a 40-plus-year school teacher, and uh, she was riddled with uh, lung cancer, and uh, she had no family. And because I had flexibility in my schedule, I was able to take her to her medical appointments or chemo and radiation treatments as she tried to fight the cancer. And I watched my friend and neighbor waste away, and I watched a, a lot of pain and suffering that was... Needless, uh, she had no appetite, uh, and I came to think that maybe, uh, and, and, and started to see that there might be a benefit to the medical cannabis space, and that uh, maybe I had made a mistake in that realm, and that um, you know there was something to this. There was some medical benefits. I mean, it's uh, a lot better for patients than uh, oxycodone and, and fentanyl and all these horrible things that are causing overdoses. So. As I was starting to turn around my thinking, I had a client approach me right as I came to Kroll. Um, I'd done some work for DOJ in the State Department, and then Kroll had recruited me, and we were I was just about to come on board and a client came and said, Are you doing cannabis? I asked, you know, my boss at the time if that's something Kroll was doing, and they said, Yeah, as long as it's legal in the state that they're they're operating in, we're okay as long as we follow all the rules and regulations. I I still needed to to get my mind on it. I called and reached out to the police chiefs of the various cities and towns who had dispensaries in Massachusetts and said, you know, how bad is it? How many arrests? How much of this stuff is shown up in your high schools? How, you know, how, how, how prevalent is your time being spent to deal with these, you know, eyesores and problems in your communities? And what I heard resoundingly was, no, it's not an issue. Um, in fact, crime's gone down in and around our dispensaries. There are areas that are now populated. They've got people coming and going. Uh, The cameras have been helpful in other crimes uh, that that occurred, you know, a vehicle fled a scene and we were able to get a a, a serial home burglar. Um, They got the the vehicle plate at the cannabis dispensary's camera as it fled the scene from a burglary a couple blocks away. So with that, uh, I started out with my first client and I looked at it, Jeff, that You know, I didn't set the the laws or the rules before when cannabis was illegal. There were laws and laws, and, and I enforced them. That was my role and function. These clients are investing tens of millions of dollars in some cases, and the rules have been changed. And it's my job to make sure that the client, who is ultimately investing a lot of money and a lot of sweat equity into these facilities and locations, that they stay within the rules that are currently in place by the local cannabis control commissions and state, uh, regulating agencies. And that's what my job is to make sure that the 22 year old kid who is not as invested in the $20 million, uh, raise of capital to put a cultivation site doesn't do things that violate the regulations that would wind up causing the clients to lose their investment. And, uh, started out with one client, um, was pretty successful, and quite frankly, through word of mouth, we're, you know, now uh, in, in four or five states with probably uh, twenty-five plus clients, and you know, nearing a hundred locations that we've been involved with.
0: Fascinating backstory. It's really interesting to hear a little bit more detail on you know what opened you up to this, and and how you uh, actually feel comfortable at working in this environment. And I know from past experience working on some of these projects with you, it's a very intriguing uh, business line. It's one where there are a lot of regulations, there's a lot of need for compliance, and there's a lot of hurry up and get things done because everybody's rushing to get into lotteries and things along those lines. So it's a very interesting type of business that we do that we haven't done historically long term. Um, When it comes down to it, what exactly are our big ticket items? What are the big things that Kroll is doing for these uh, dispensaries and these owners uh, to help them manage all of this risk?
1: I mean, some of the things were kind of soup to nuts. It, It was kind of an airplane that we built it as we were flying. It started out with, can you draft a safety and security program for us? And can you design security for our facility? So, you know, working with our team in the SRM space, sat down, looked at the, you know, architectural design of it. How do we do crime scene prevention through architectural design and environmental design and and make it, you know, less likely to engage in criminal activity, not a place that's going to, you know, allow dark spots and people to hide out and bushes that people could jump out from. So it was very much the same thing we do for other clients. It was security and safety planning. uh, And we got that going, working with first client. Uh, the thing that's amazed me in the space, a lot of the clients we're working with come, kind of come in two kinds. They are patients who use cannabis to get relief from their ailments. One uh, I know was Crohn's disease, another had MS um, and, and other ailments that, that are out there. And they've gotten into this. Uh, a lot of them started out with a medical bend and then recreational became legal because they want to help patients and provide uh, medical care to, to people who need it. Um, so, we started out with system design work and developing programs for, you know, how do we staff it? What are the post orders for the security officers? What are we doing for transportation? What's our cash management program? What's our, you know, robbery response plan? What's our emergency evacuation program? Uh, what are we doing in the event of a power failure? Setting up dual systems of uh alarms and video with backup systems that if somebody cuts a line or something gets interrupted, there's a fail safe and and a secondary uh, ability to keep the facility safe. And what we found is they're so well regulated and the standards are so high that these are very safe locations uh, that can carry on business. And one of the things I tried to do for clients is to help them educate the public. I had to be educated in what this is. I thought that Clients were going to be coming into this place, grabbing, you know, uh, one or two individual doses, going outside and smoking it out the door. Right. That's not what any of these places allow. In fact, smoking in and around the property, even if it's cigarettes is prohibited and can cause you to lose your license. So I did a lot of work up front with clients after we developed a security program and all of the clients at Kroll, uh, we've had them agree to a good neighbor policy. Uh, whatever the law is in the state or local jurisdiction where they are, uh, most states, it's, it's pretty similar, right? You can't divert the product to anyone who shouldn't have it, which is usually underage people. You can't uh, use this product if you're operating a motor vehicle. There's manners to store store and transport the product. Uh, you can't uh, use this product in public in most places. So our clients all inform the customers of those standards and what they say to the communities that they're cited in is that they're going to hold customers to that standard. So for example, if somebody comes in, a customer comes in and makes a purchase in one of our client stores goes down the street to the baseball park and decides to use the product and smoke it in a public area. And we become alerted to that, whether that's through a police intervention where the police stop them and find out they just came from a store or a neighbor um, takes a picture and then sends it to us and says, you know, was, was this one of your customers? Cause he's, you know, using this inappropriately in the children's park. If we can identify as a customer of ours, all of our clients have agreed that that person will be trespassed from the property. We don't want them back because we're asking communities to give the clients a chance to set up a a program that you know, the majority of people voted for, but many people still have angst about. And if people voted for this and the question was, do you support cannabis being sold within 500 feet of your home? It would have went down 99 to one, right? But people voted for it to be legalized, and then the issue becomes, well, why is it going to be on my street? Why is it in my neighborhood? Why is it near my uh, kid's park? Uh, all of those issues. And the first thing we do is we help educate people. What's the current situation with these? And you know, what's the reality? And part of that is the crime stats and, and the, uh, the evidence uh, we show that these really have, in fact, there's evidence to show that crime has gone down. And in fact, uh, values of property have gone up uh, where these places have been cited. So um, the first is an educational campaign. We help the clients tell their security and safety story. We also help them get through the licensing process, work with the attorneys to make sure we've got all the documents and compliance programs to go forward. The follow-up is, you know, the licensed are up and running. It's great to have installed 300 cameras throughout your facility that capture every uh, square foot 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. How do you go back and review those cameras to find out when someone violated a rule or did something inappropriate? You can't watch 24 hours of videotape, right? Not very effectively. So having secret shopper programs where we go in and we test the security staff to make sure they're following the process and the procedures. Having our team go in and grab video and looking at random hours and random shifts and seeing if the rules and regulations that the client agreed to in order to be licensed in the community that is allowing them to put their product uh, for sale there are being kept. And they're being kept not only by the owner who's got a massive investment in this, but by the clerk at the front desk. And that way um, we can make sure our clients are compliant with you know, best business practices and compliant within the, the jurisdictions that they are working with to keep their license going forward and getting it renewed. And the other issue is diversion, uh, selling product, uh, looping where people are coming in and doing multiple sales and then going back out and putting it on the black market. Those are all things that are going to get the attention of federal authorities. And well, federal authorities could come in any day and take enforcement action against anyone in this business, anywhere in in the United States, they have chosen not to previously under the coal agreement. Now that agreement is no longer there. But U.S. attorneys have kind of said is as long as people are complying with the state regulations and doing things appropriately and not diverting product and the other issues that, that are caused for concerns, then they're not going to come in and take enforcement action. So you want to make sure that your client uh, isn't put in harm's way by employees who don't understand that uh, you want to do things, not just comply, uh, you want to exceed compliance levels and make sure that you are uh, – operating uh, very uh, efficiently, effectively, and with uh, with high ethics and following all the rules and regulations.
0: So basically, we aim to exceed at every level where we can so that we can make sure that both the community feels more comfortable and particular some federal law enforcement agencies would feel fairly comfortable with how the operations are going, how they're managing their supply, their sales, everything along those lines. So we go to take that extra step because there's no reason to just hit the bare minimum. You might as well uh, make sure that you're above and beyond and you could be the exemplar for how you're supposed to secure and remain in compliance with uh, your facilities. Makes a lot of sense to me. So, Danny, what other parts of the Duff and Phelps overall family do you bring into cases like this to this type of client to work on
1: projects? Jeff, that, we've got a, several lines in, in, in Kroll and Duff and Phelps that do work in the cannabis space and can be very helpful to clients. And I think clients like it because it's one-stop shopping, right? You know our cyber team. Cannabis, like every industry in, in, in the world, is targeted by cyber criminals. They've got debit card information. Uh, they've got uh, personal information. Uh, individuals who have signed up to to get alerts that are using this product that might not want that information out publicly, they have trade secrets and the you know manner in which they grow their products and process their products and all of that is things that can be uh, targeted by cyber criminals uh, and even the cultivation facilities. You know, we've, there've been instances of people trying to go in and shut down. The HVAC systems turn off the electricity, turn the lights off, and impact a crop, which can be worth millions of dollars to somebody uh, who's in the space. So, cybersecurity is is just as prevalent in the cannabis world as it is in the other businesses that we deal with. And, and uh, the Quarrel team has been able to assist some clients through that process and make sure they're keeping their company as safe as they can. The other, you know, uh, area that we, Duff and Phelps, can be helpful is the valuation process. So we're you know, world experts at evaluating businesses and what businesses make and don't make and the forensic accounting work of how much is actually EBITDA uh, and you know what the value of the uh, capital is in a business. We do that a lot for insurance companies. There's value to cannabis companies. Now, I will tell you, everyone thinks that you're going to open a cannabis company and you're going to be a billionaire. And then guess what? Licenses go out, and there are now 100 people in the Boston area competing for what was uh, a market of one when the first one opened, right? Um, so that share of the market goes down. The business goes down. You don't have the footfall. A lot of times, first-time investors, entrepreneurs get in the space, get up, get up and running, get operating, and then they bring in outside resources for funding. And those outside funders want to know, you know what they're buying. How much is the cultivation facility worth? How much is the reclamation, water reclamation system worth? What's the dollars on the crop? Should it fail? Uh, what are insurance companies valuing the property and the and the uh, the entity as? And all of that is something that Duff and Phelps is excellent at doing and, and able to help clients as well. In the Canadian market, our, our colleagues up there are actually working for the government, doing the background checks and screening on those individuals who are going to be in involved in the retail space. So we're involved in it in kind of uh, several different ways, all of which makes sense for us. It's all about protecting the clients uh, from any risk and harm they have to continue their businesses as efficiently and effectively as they can.
0: Very interesting. You see the power of the ampersand, as they say, bringing in everybody to be able to attack these issues from every direction. Good to hear.
1: Absolutely. And we're we're starting to see, you know, Canada is exporting cannabis to countries like Israel, and Israel has a huge twenty-plus year um, lead in medical marijuana research. Um, so this is starting to grow internationally, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, and business opportunities between countries and companies in different countries. Um, you know, you need to have somebody in the local country who understands what it means to set up a highly regulated controversial business and do it in an effective and efficient way while staying out of regulators um, harm's way and uh, and making a profit for the, the company and, and keeping everyone happy.
0: Are there any takeaways essentially about, uh, you know, the big issues that you do see some of your clients hitting, whether it be community involvement or, or anything like that, that you want to kind of impart on us?
1: So you need to go out and meet with the community. You need to educate them and um, you need to take their their issues and complaints seriously. Um, this is a, a big deal for a lot of people. And you're asking to come into community and do business and you want to be a good corporate neighbor. Uh, I had a client and the local political leadership said, you know, politically, we can't support this unless if this particular school uh comes out against you, right? If they if they just remain neutral, then we can move forward with it. But if the school comes out vocal against you, it's going to be hard politically for us to write a letter of non-opposition. So you really should, you know, make them comfortable with what you're doing. We met with the headmaster and, uh, you know, explained my background. Uh, we put out the security program, put out the plan. He quite frankly said, I, I don't want this in in the community, but I know it's going to come somewhere in the community. You guys, uh, you know, whether it's this place or another place, it's going to be located somewhere. Uh, I want to make sure that whoever's doing it is going to be somebody that is responsive when an issue or concern arises to us. And he said, for example, you uh, are proposing 8 p.m. to 8, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. operating hours. Well, my kids get off the bus at 8 a.m. and school starts at 8 30. And, you know, I'm really concerned about them getting off the bus, uh, you know, a block away. And hanging out at your location and trying to get some somebody to go in like they do at the liquor stores and get get an adult to buy them product and, you know, bring it into the schools. Would you consider changing your working hours? <clears throat> and, you know, the client, there was a no-brainer, right? Absolutely. Why? Yeah, we can start at 8.30. That's not a problem. He then said, well, you know, my kids get out at uh, 1.30 in the afternoon. And, uh, again, same concern. Would you ever consider closing for lunch and having everyone eat lunch for, you know, one hour during or half hour? When my kids are trans, you know, from school back to the their homes and through the neighborhood, and that way they're not hanging out in front of your store. You know what? If that would make you comfortable, sure, absolutely. We don't want kids to be involved with the product. Kids, in the, you know, the legalization should be clear. Studies show that until the adult brain is 23, 24, um, you know, the effects of, of this and other substances can be can be uh, more debilitating to, to the youth than it does uh, older people. Um, Client agreed right away. And then his third request was Is it possible that you could install a camera that I could watch the, the intersection around? So if I saw any of my kids lally gagging, hanging about, you know, my dean of discipline could do what he had to do and work with the families. With, with IP uh, cameras these days and video feeds, all it was uh, to give him a simple permission to, to video that camera, that was an easy solution. And what it turned out is he said, I don't want this here. I don't support any of this. However, this team appears to be professional, has a good program, a good plan, and you've been responsive to every one of my concerns. So, if anyone's going to be in the area, I want it to be this team. So it was a, you know, wasn't the ringing endorsement we had hoped for, but it was a non-opposition uh, that, quite frankly, convinced the political leadership that we could move forward and keep the community happy, deal with their concerns, and the client was able to, to open in in the community. And I think proved that they, they weren't there just to make tens of millions of dollars. They were there to, to provide a service and to, you know, make a, obviously they want to make money um, and do it in a way that's ethical, responsible while being a good corporate client.
0: Excellent stuff. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Danny. You always have such great stories for us. I want to thank you for coming on. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this one. We will see you again in a couple of weeks.